everyone, welcome to uh, SlasherCast, the podcast where we talk horror and nothing but horror. If you're listening to this on uh, Spotify or various other audio platforms, um, I am one of your hosts, Slasher. Uh, Slasher. I own a YouTube channel called Slasher Media, uh, where the video of this uh, goes out on my YouTube channel. And yeah, I'm yet again joined by obviously my co-host. Say hi. Oh, oh wait, wait, it's me. Oh hi. <laughs> I keep forgetting that. Yeah, right. So this was Tyler's idea. Uh, so he wanted to talk about some Friday Thirteenth. So we decided that we will do episodes talking about each film. Um, so today we are going to talk about the original Friday 13th from 1980 and um, basically our thoughts, uh, the synopsis, the things we like, the things we don't like, pros, cons of the fr- the film, how it affects later films, just stuff like that. And we won't be covering Freddy vs. Jason because we are going to do the same kind of concept with Nine Elm Street and then from Nine Elm Street we will do... Uh, Freddy vs. Jason after. So we've covered all the films. So, without further ado, let's get started, I guess. So we both got the wiki open uh, for the film. So if you want to basically uh, give it for anyone who's not seen the film a little rundown about what the film's about and stuff, um, then we can go from there. Uh, oh, <laughs> yep. Uh, the film was released in 1988, like uh, Flash Media said. It was released by, well, produced and directed by Sean Cunningham, who, which also included the late star Betsy Palmer. Uh, the, the film tells the story of a group of teenagers in a camp, and for some reason, each one of them gets ki- getting killed off while trying to find out who the killer is. Yeah, that's basically the gist. And Kevin Bacon is in this film. And, and I never knew Kevin Bacon was in this film until I just read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it must be a young Kevin Bacon. The film is actually set in 1958. Oh. Yeah. It says the plot. In a brief prologue... Oh. In a brief pro- prologue... Oh, wait, no. The beginning of the film is set in 1958. Yeah, and I think it's like, uh, I, for some reason, I thought it was like 10 years later after the prologue. I yeah, don't and know then why. And the film moves forward from the present day to June 13th, a young woman named Anna. It goes from uh, there. Basically, on the wiki, it's basically just a rundown about the film. Yeah, so, um, so should we start off with the prologue of the film? Which yeah, that's the, all of the beginning part. Yeah, so I'll I'll read this. In a brief prologue set in 1958, two summer camp counselors at Camp Crystal Lake, named Barry, played by Willie Adams, and Claudette, played played by Deborah S Hayes, sneak away from a campfire, sing along to have sex. Before they completely undress, an unseen assailant sneaks into the room. Barry and Claudette notice uh, her, uh, notice her, 
Barry is trying to convince the assailant that they weren't doing anything unconvinced. The assailant stabs Barry in the guts, chases down Claudette and slashes her throat. So that's what happens in the beginning. Alright. And it is actually done all in first person. Yeah, that's what I liked about the prologue. We don't know who the killer is or like how tall or how small they are. It just takes us in the perspective of the per- of the person killing. Which a lot of films do that. There's um a film called Maniac, which does all all of that film is in first person. Yeah, a bit of similar thing happened in Psycho, didn't it? Like yeah, in the shower sa- scene. Yeah, uh, Psycho does it a bit. Um so the prologue is not a lot to talk about. It's just something to show us that there is this killer who probably hates this camp. So after they kill the two people... Oh, <laughs> what was that sound? That was a sneeze trying to come through <laughs> that didn't come through. I thought that was... Actually, you played a clip of Barry dying then. <laughs> no. <laughs> so fast. Alright, so fast fast forward 21 years later, camp counsellors Annie Phillips is giving a lift to the camp, to the reopened camp. Wait, are you using the same wiki I am? What wiki are you using? I'll send you a link and then you can read it along with mine. It's a lot easier then, and then you can just... Sorry about this, guys, we weren't prepared whatsoever. I had much sleep last night, I was too busy watching... uh... Proton John last night. Okay, I sent it on uh, Facebook. I sent it on Facebook. No, I was reading it off just straight off Wikipedia. Uh, I was reading it by the fan the fan the fan wiki. Okay, probably the fan wiki is better. Yeah, okay. it is. It, here we go. Uh, the film moves forward twenty one years later to Friday, Friday the thirteenth of June. June which was it? Which was in June. Yes. A young woman named Annie was played by Robbie Morgan. Went to a small diner and asked for directions to Crystal Camp Crystal Lake, which is the setting of the entire film. Much to the shock of the patrons and the and staff. However, a friendly truck driver, Enos, who is played by Rex Everhart, uh, comes from the diner, gives her a lift. Uh, and takes it to the Crossroads Cemetery, which is only halfway to the camp. Yeah, uh, the truck driver is obviously don't want to, doesn't want to go near the camp because of the fact that what happened there all those years ago, and he obviously probably just doesn't agree with that the camp should reopen with what happened. Yeah, even after twenty one years, people are still scared of two people being murdered, which. I'm not surprised that, but I think it's a bit of an overreaction after 21 years. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I kind of agree with that. It is a bit of an overreaction, but it's kind of one of those things that it's a bit obvious that if the camp would open again, the murders would probably start anyway. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Right. Uh, yeah, leave it... Leaving the diner, they're interrupted by Ralph, played by Walt Gorney, asking your... I'm going to try and do um, 
because he's the nutter. You're going to Camp Blood, ain't you? <laughs> I was thinking of that in some point. Enos and Annie ignore him. Ralph then says, You'll never come back again! They ignore him once again. Ralph says, It has a death curse! They ignore him again. So yeah, um, Ralph is our like conspiracy kind of guy who's like, um, obviously Camp Blood being uh, Camp Crystal Lake where the murders happened, and um, Ralph is kind of the guy who's like, uh, knows what happened there and stuff. So he's just like, right, fuck you all, you're all gonna die. <laughs> Is the guy who lives in town is like is is he also doesn't have a car? Is on a motor, is on a um, bicycle instead. A bicycle, and <laughs> I, I do like Ralph. Ralph, uh, Ralph is funny. Ralph is hilarious. He's uh, like, what, but when he dies in which one is it? He dies in one room. Is it the second one? I don't know. I feel like it's in part three. Because yeah, Jason kills him. Uh, anyway. I think it might be part three. Or part, it's either part three or two. We'll so, get to the point where Ralph will die. Yes. So. It's very <laughs> it's very upsetting when he dies because him like always coming out of random places saying to counsellors that you're all gonna die just is funny. Like something bad might happen and then a second later is they going, You're all gonna die Like trying to protect everyone and then ends up dying himself. Yeah, and then he dies himself because he's a fucking idiot. Um. Right, you can. Yeah, you read the next one. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take so, turns and do this, guys. This is what we're doing. Yeah, we didn't so even plan this. Not- we didn't even plan this. <laughs> so we're basically just reading what the wiki says and t- talking about each part of the film. This is how this is going to work. Yeah, we were having way too much fun yesterday that we just thought of this on the. Yeah, flight, like so. me and him were like, uh, we went on Minecraft <laughs> and then we went on Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront. <laughs> And um, we just started. I just um, we were just talking about, uh, like I said, what episode do you want to do? You got an idea, and he just went to me and said, "Right, let's talk about every Friday Thirteen film." Right, all right, then fair enough. (laughs) And then it comes to it, and we're reading it off the wiki. Yeah, the problem was we didn't know if we wanted to do like all the films in one episode or do like a thorough detail. Review of each because one I in think, I think the doing all the films in one episode would have made the episode a bit long. So I just feel like doing it in one like episode per like film per episode is a lot better for us, especially. Yeah, and some things would be rushed in. Yeah, and it would be rushed. So doing it this way, and even reading it off the wiki and reading scene by scene, and just pausing and talking about what happens uh, is working very well. So. If you want to read the next paragraph, go ahead. Yeah. So after they ignore uh, Ralph, uh, Annie and Enos, the truck driver, uh, reach the truck. <laughs> During the drive, it warns them about the dark bloody history of, camp, of the Camp Blood, which is a nickname of Camp Crystal Lake that happened 21 years ago, and his sister quit, quit immediately, informing her of a boy drowning in the Camp Crystal Lake in 1957 as well as the two murders that happened, and serial arson, uh, as reasons why the camp is considered cursed. And it ignores Norza, him, like the generic final girl that she is. Uh, Spoilers, final girl. 
<laughs> and continues a hike when she's dropped off. Yeah. So she's dropped off at the nearby cemetery where Jason is presumed to be buried. Um, I think that was actually a real cemetery that they used. Yeah, but it is presumed oh. that um, Jason is actually buried there, but we all know he's fucking not. Um, Spoilers, Jason's not dead. <laughs> but, um, Considering this a film called Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there, um, so, the truck driver, we don't see him again, I think, anyway. Um, he was only there for that one plot point. Yeah, he's only there just to give her a lift. Uh, but yeah, she's like your typical kind of... Like, most of the characters in this are your typical teenagers back from, like, the 90s. You know, um, like, wanting to... Obviously, they're doing this for a job. It's just their job, really, at this point. And what's kind of funny is they're working in a camp. In the franchise, there's only one film where it's actually a camp. There's a one film. There's one film in the whole franchise where we see kids in a camp. <laughs> Oh, God, because it's full of teenagers always banging each other. Yeah, um, I think at this point, uh, when Kevin Bacon was in the film, it was like 30 years old. That, I think or, or 20, that was... Years old. Yeah, he, that was like one of Kevin Bacon's first horror films. But yeah, so, I am used to now seeing Kevin Bacon as like the villain type um, because of him being in like... Uh, what's it called? Uh, he played the villain in Hollow Man, uh, if you've ever seen that. Uh, no, not really. But I'm used to seeing Kevin Bacon in those little yeah. terrible adverts that you see on TV <laughs> all the time. Yeah, <laughs> all of those. I right. think it's like one of the cr- credit card commercials or whatever. Yeah, it is. It's also like, I think, internet, uh, like Wi-Fi, broadband, stuff like that. Is in. Geico. Yeah. Uh, Next up, in a car, we're introduced to Ned, Mac Nelson, uh, played by Mel- Mac Nelson. Uh, Jack, played, pay- played by Kevin Bacon. And Marcy, played by Jenny Taylor. Jack and Marcy are a couple, and, and Ned is most likely jealous of them. They are all headed to Camp Crystal Lake to work as counsellors. So Annie is there on herself, she gets there on herself, and all these guys are arriving together uh, in the car. So Kevin Bacon and Marcy are, da- are actually together, they're dating, and Ned is presumed to be jealous of them. Well, I would I would assume the third wheel will always be jealous of yeah. not having a girlfriend. Yeah, but Kevin Bacon... So, so it kind of gives it, like, a little... We'll get or, to it ever, uh, later on, because Kevin Bacon's death is my favourite in the film. Yeah, it does give it a bit of, like, a, a thinking, like, thinking, is, is uh, Ned the killer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really, it's just a teenager, so he couldn't have been... So if you just use that common theory. Yeah, there were a lot of, um... Like, suspicion with this film, but when you find out who the actual killer is, it's... For me, it's a bit anticlimactic when you find out. We'll get to that later when we actually get to the killer reveal. But it is a bit anticlimactic. Did we already um, reveal the killer just earlier on? No. So, so just shh. Quiet. 
<laughs> right. Uh, you want to read the next one? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, when Ned, Jack, and Marcy reach the camp, they help uh, Steve, Steve Christie, who's played by Peter Brower. They introduce themselves, just getting along and stuff. Jack and Marcy are heard with several last names. Oh, okay. Marcy uh, are Alison... heard with several last names. What? Yeah, that's what I was confused about. It's what it says on the wiki, but I'm just going to follow it as yeah. it is. Uh, uh, then somehow uh, Alice comes, uh, Alice introduces herself and tells Stephen, Steve, that there is another cabin that needs to be prepared. So just, just yeah. group. Um, Steve being the, um, I think he's the head counselor. Yeah, the chief counselor. Yeah, he's the chief counselor, and um, yeah, he's the chief counselor. Alice is uh, there with him, and they're t- them two are dating. What do you mean? Wait, is Alice the, you know, the girl, the main girl? Uh, no, that's Annie. All right. Wait, no, it isn't. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm getting confused, mate. Annie was the one that we saw at the camp, but not the camp, who went to the cemetery. She's final girl. No, the final girl is the girl who's already at the camp. Is it? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm. I'm kind. I'm pretty sure about that. But she's also in the beginning of the second film. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm just getting the names mixed up. Give me a Let's second. just keep. Uh, um, we'll, we'll keep. Continue we'll keep saying reading that. I'll, I'll um. I'll go ahead and have a look. You go ahead and have a look. I'll do it private. Uh, okay. Go ahead and talk about the scene, and I'll go ahead and have a look. Okay, so while they're introducing themselves, uh, Steve Christie, who is this re- really old, old guy, he's got like a, like sort of, uh, he's got a strange moustache, I would say. And, <laughs> but he also has these really big round glasses. Do you know the ones that Harry Potter wears? I don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like when I watched the film, after I watched Harry Potter, I wanted to go off yeah, this repair Al- Alice, Alice is our survival girl. Ah, got you. So Alice, is, got Alice is already in the camp. Yeah, you got them mixed up. Alice is the girl's already there, but she's also to have said that she's actually dating Steve, the head counselor. That's what I think. Yeah. That's what that, I think. That's what one of the presumed things that they are together. Yeah. She's already there, and she's like, kind of like, already working, and she's like, also helping, like him, you know, fix the cabins and stuff. Yeah, she was tired by him. Yeah. Um. You can do the two bits if you want, because one of them seems fun. Right. Alice runs to Bill, who's by the lake, and talks to him. Alice runs back towards the main cabin. Right. We there's nothing really much happening there. She's just. Um, I'll read. Yeah, I'll read the. Annie uh, hitches to the camp. A driver appears, and Annie asks for a ride. As Annie talks to the driver, the driver is suspiciously quiet. 
Uh, as the driver speeds up past the entrance to the camp, Annie starts to panic and jump out. The driver chases the injured girl into the woods, catching her and slitting her throat. So, Annie is our first victim. Well, uh, third victim. Third. Third, technically. Because the two were... Yeah. She's but... our first victim of the time as it is then. Uh, so, yeah. this is obviously our killer. We don't know who the killer is yet because obviously in the film it's all in first person until at the end. But um, we do see uh, that this killer obviously is uh, knows that the camp is opening again. Yeah, so we already know now that the killer isn't someone who is at the camp already. Pretty much. Um, I, I did like the I did like the stand, standard slitting throat there. It yeah, it's a standard kill. It's um, it's nothing dramatic, but it is very effective. It shows enough to keep the the viewer yeah. engaged. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go ahead and read the next two. Yeah, you've got you've got a long one coming up soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, Steve, the head counsellor, inform, informed the other counsellors that he's going to leave the, t- the town to stock up on supplies. Considering he's the head counsellor, yeah. he has to fund like all the, the needs for the others. Uh, as as Brenda is up the archery range, suddenly an arrow is shot up to her. She discovered it was Ned. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, let's just all agree that Ned is an absolute asshole. Ned's jealous of, of everyone. Yeah, he's an absolute asshole. He shoots an arrow, and he's also always trying to look at her ass. There's a lot of ass shots in this film. Yeah, I noticed that the uh, films got uh, deemed for sexually uh, sexual content. Yeah, and, and like uh, it does sexualizing the females. It also it always has a shot of someone's ass in this. Like, it's just full of ass shots. Um, yeah. But it Ned was like it, the 80s trope. Yeah, it's an 80s thing, but nowadays, like, with horror now, females are not mo- as sexualized as they were back then. They're not as like, sexualized more, anymore. Like, females are more badass to try yeah. and make the equality. I, I love myself a badass female character in a film. I seen um, seen a woman like full on be a badass and kicking the ass of a villain is so fun to watch. Yeah, I kind of saw that in the the Evil Dead remake actually, yeah. which right. is pretty good. Uh, next next part, the counselors decide to swim at the lake. They are setting up the rafts as Alice and Bill are laying down next to the lake. As the counsellors are swimming in the lake, Brenda notices something strange that is facing them in the woods. Marcy was worried, but Brenda was saying that it is probably nothing. Later on, when they were all playing, they noticed that something is wrong with Ned. He is drowning Brenda and Jay and... Wait, what? He's drowning? Yeah, he's just dr- he's not drowning Brenda and Jack. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Confused then. Playing. They notice that something is wrong with Ned. He's drowning. 
Okay, then Brenda and Jack run to the lake to rescue Ned. They get him up to the raft as Brenda is trying to perform our resurrection. <laughs> Resuscitation. I can't speak. Ned then kisses Brenda as it was all a prank. <laughs> See what I mean? Ned is such a fucking what? asshole. <laughs> I'll pretend to die so I can just steal a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> that, do you know what it reminds me of it? Do you ever, do you have you ever seen Sandalot Kids? Uh, no, I haven't. Well, there's uh, so the Sandalot Kids are these like group of kids who um are playing. I think it's baseball in like this like area and they're all kids and it's told uh, as like a flashback as a narrator and it's one of the new kids to the group or smalls and basically the idea is is that there's this dog that's got there's this like big giant dog that's got a story behind it apparently that it was a murderous dog a rabid uh, and they're always they're trying to like all the way through filming trying to get this famous uh, ball baseball out of the garden of the guy who owns the dog well, uh, later in the film, one of the kids is actually, um, he's got a crush on this like older, like this older girl to him, and he actually does a dive off. Uh, he works at a pool. He does a dive off uh, the bar, jumps in the water, and um, he jumps in the water, and it's presumed that he's like drowning. So, basically, she saves him, brings him up, and then she ki- she's, like, doing the, you know, the thing that you're supposed to do. Well, he actually, oh, he up, when she's, like, going out for air, he looks and smiles at, his, at the, his friends and then goes back to closing his eyes. Second later, when she goes back in to blow the air, she, he kisses her. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and this music plays and stuff, and he becomes a legend around the area. And a second later, he ends up, uh, she grabs him, pulls him out, and they all leave. And then when he look, and when they're all walking, he looks through the, like, the gate to the pool. She looks at him and smiles. And end at film as well, it tells, the, it tells us that uh, they actually got married. Oh, wow. Yeah. It tells us at end of film uh, that they got married, so it was it was really fun, really fun. So sometimes film. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but Ned is such a fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, Hopefully, we we will see him die in the film. Yeah. Right. Um, wait, did I read that? Yeah, you. Yeah, your, yeah, 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 yeah. Your turn. All right. So back in the cabins, uh, Alice is getting ready for dinner. She sees something crawling under the dr- crawling to the drawer. So she, so she screams like hell. Uh, Bill, Bill comes to her cabin to carry a machete for some reason to check to see what's wrong, and they find out it's just a snake. So Alice told Bill to murder the snake. As we were just snake, all the counselors tried to mur- all the counselors, and I mean all the counselors tried to murder the snake. Yeah, and af- and after murdering it, Massey just says. At least we know what's for dinner. Which what? you can't eat. <laughs> at least at least we know what's for dinner. Because you can't eat snake in <laughs> oh, real life. Yeah. Yeah, they say at least we know what's for dinner. So they don't actually eat the snake, guys, before you say anything. 
I, I know. You've got to be careful of some snakes because they carry the venom inside them. Yeah. But I assume this was just a generic, like, grass snake or something. Yeah. I, 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 I can't remember what snake it was, but I assume it wasn't poisonous. Yeah, I get that. Uh, at least, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. Uh, that's the gist of that. Um, yeah, it's kind of useless. She doesn't even try to do it herself. Yeah, she's been after it. Right, she's weak. <laughs> As Ned is playing around, uh, they get a visit from Officer Dorf, who is searching for Ralph. Brenda says that they never saw anyone that att- entered the camp. Jack notices Officer Dorf's motorcycle, as the officer denied to let him on the motorcycle. Officer Dorf then gets a call from the station and leaves the camp. So, Officer Dorf is, like, not really that important. He goes to the camp looking for Ralph and then nothing. Yeah, because for some reason, uh, claims that Ralph has would be at the camp. Yeah, even though he isn't. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't like him. One one line that I said to Jack is just like, "What, what you been smoking, boy?" <laughs> yeah, it presumes that they're all on drugs. What you just get out of a spaceship or something? Yeah, I've got to read. I'm re- I'm reading the next one because it's Ralph speaking. <laughs> you want to speak like <laughs> as Alice sets up the kitchen for dinner with Marcy and Ned. He opens the pantry. Do- uh, the pantry. Ralph approaches her from the pantry. Ralph said, <laughs> "Ralph uh, says, God has sent me. This place is cursed. Cursed." <laughs> As he runs out of the cabin to his bicycle, Alice looks at him and he says, "You're doomed. You're all doomed." <laughs> Marcy says to Alice, "I think we met Ralph." <laughs> Oh, there's there's a lot of sarcasm in this film. Yeah, there is a lot of sarcasm because you just got a guy say you're all doomed, you're all gonna die, and it's like, oh, it's only Ralph. We we must we we found him. We found we found. I guess we met Ralph. Like when they were reading that, it said when uh uh Alice opens the pantry for some reason Ralph approached her from the pantry like he was just hiding in there the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. Like it jumps out. Oh, You're all doomed. You're all doomed. gonna die. Why were you in the pantry? Doomed. <laughs> doomed. <laughs> oh, why were you in the pantry? You're cursed. <laughs> You're yeah. gonna die. You're all gonna die. <laughs> in seven days. Wait. Oh, wrong done. Time. Wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'll see you in twenty years. But yeah, Ralph, Ralph makes this film just. Like he's the comedic. Like I know he's like supposed to be like a, a bad omen, but he's still so funny to watch. And uh, he tries helping out. Yeah, but no one believes him. I feel <laughs> sorry for Ralph. I feel sorry for Ralph. Right, move on to the next one, Yoga. Uh, okay. So generic as it seems, a storm is approaching as the sun goes down. When Jack and Marcy are walking along the lake, Ned, being Ned, gets jealous again. And walking another way, he then noticed someone that is dressed with black slacks, brown plaid shirt, and a class ring. Ooh, fancy! 
The person was standing outside Ned and Marcy's cabin. As Ned approaches the person, he asks, Can I help you? <laughs> you know, do like a the hillbilly accent for Ned. <laughs> and he goes into the cabin. So, this person that he sees, it will be the killer later on. Yeah. Uh, Ned, no is, Ned is actually the only kill we don't see. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> there's a lot, there's a couple of off screen kills in the Friday 13th films, but this is the yeah. first one that we This is the first one see. in the franchise, and we don't see uh, him get killed. Uh, I think we do see his body later on, uh, but that's it. We don't actually see him get killed. We just see the body. Um, but. He got what he deserved. He were a fucking asshole. <laughs> um, right. Marcy. He was leeching. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Marcy talks about her dream that she had many times, saying that in the dream it was raining very hard and the rain turned into blood. When she was done with that story, the thunder and lightning was getting worse. Jack said... <laughs> It is going to rain like a son of a gun. Bam. And they go into their cabin as they want, and as they went into the cabin, they started to have sex in a bunk bed, and unaware that Ned's body is in the bunk above them as his throat is slit. I'm surprised the blood didn't fall onto. Yeah, like, that's that is a bit through. confusing, like because he's on top of the bed, and obviously. Would be in that thick and everything. The blood have would have seeped seeped through from that point onto their bodies, so they would have you seen would it. Also, notice how the mattresses will slightly bend from yeah. the top of the bunk as well. But but to be honest, they were too busy getting it on, so I think they were they were more bothered about each other's naked bodies than they were on about uh, the bed. Yeah, you know how the killer likes people having sex. It's yeah, that's bad. in that's in every film. Why why is it that sex kills are the best? <laughs> like every best kill in a film is during or after sex. <laughs> I think there was one alien. They both got killed. Yeah, they were in shower. Yeah, they were in shower, and alien just stabs them with bloody uh, tail. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 there was already one in this, but the one mid sex. Yeah. It was like they got up, got changed, and like, what are you doing here? We weren't doing anything wrong. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah, y'all good now. Okay. Got pretty long Massey, talk- Massey talks about a dream that she had many times and says that, and says that in the dream it was raining very hard. What are you doing? I've just read that just- one. <laughs> oh, shit. Oops. Yeah, you're the one after. I was about to say, I've just read that. Yeah, alright, so... Cutting that out. Marcy says afterwards that she she has to use the bathroom because everyone has to say they have to use the bathroom. When yeah, that's after. That's what happens after sex. Yeah, I'm just going to go and use the bathroom, please. <laughs> Leaving Jack unaware that the killer is in the same cabin and under Jack's bed the entire time. Uh, after Marcy left, Jack decided to grab a cigarette. A drip of blood dropped on his forehead. The killer had then grabbed Jack's forehead, ramming an arrow through the bed, piercing his throat. Yeah, I like this kill. Like, seeing Kevin Bacon's face when the arrow goes right through his neck and the blood. 
it's just so fucking um like like unexpected like once it you see it come through it and you see the hand on his head it's just creepy of how i you've just had sex (laughs) and there's a person under your bed all the way through that yeah that's what disturbed me how the killer was under the bed the entire time while they're having sex wasn't making any noise imagine the killer's face just like during that whole situation feeling the bed (laughs) like feeling the bed going up and down like fuck (laughs) fuck fuck (laughs) i imagine if the mattress wasn't like very stable and it just kept it Eating, eating the killer. <laughs> but it would have been a really short film. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. I didn't think this through. <laughs> um, I should have waited outside. Yeah, I should have waited outside and waited for him to be finished, but no. Uh, while Marcy is using the bathroom, she hears a door creaking. As it's opening, Marcy suspects that it's Jack. She leaves the bathroom washing her hands. Marcy is starting, uh, staring at her mirror, talking to herself. She hears a little noise from the shower uh, room. She thinks that it's the counsellors pulling a prank on her. As Marcy is approaching the showers, she opens the shower blinds and th- thinks that it's only her imagination. Then from the showers, an axe is raised. As Marcy turns around, the axe is slammed into Marcy's head. That kill is just so fucking drastic. You go from an arrow kill to an axe kill in nothing in like no minute flat. So something is obviously triggering this this person. Yeah, definitely. Like it's also feeling like obviously because um we'll get to that later actually because uh, it's a bit it's kind of also a bit um poetic of why it's a sex kill. Um, yeah. How so? I'll tell you in a minute. Ah, uh, it's got to do with something with the film. It's got to. Do, it's something to do with. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, you read the next one. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, in in Alice's cabin now, Brenda became bored with nothing to do, and obviously with the help of the four twenty weed <laughs> and the nice cush and booze. Decides Bill and Alice should play strip Monopoly. We're, we've heard to pass the time. When the savage storm blows the door open. When the savage storm blows the door open halfway through the game, <clears throat> Brenda realizes the cabin windows are still open and heads out to shut it, calling it a night. The end of strip Monopoly. <laughs> As Brenda gets ready for bed and curls up with a book, a childlike voice calls up calls out to her from the storm. Unsure if it's another person or a serious call for help, Brenda gives in and heads outside in the room. The outdoor lights come on, revealing that she walked directly into the archery range because you can't see the dark. <laughs> Blinded by light, she's trapped by the killer and dies off-screen. Another uh, off-screen death. Friday so, 13th is full of off-screen deaths. But we do see the aftermath later on. Yeah, I think she's she got shot with an arrow, right? Yeah, because basically, <laughs> if you think if you kind of think about it, most of, like her kill was obviously like shown later on by that guy shooting it by that guy shooting an arrow near her, and then later on she's actually dead by an arrow. So it makes sense. 
So already there have been seven total kills. Yeah. The film uh, obviously was like quick paced when the kills actually start. Um, <coughs> right, when Bill Ooh. when Bill returns to Alice's cabin after a quick venture outside, Alice tells him she heard a scream. Certain it was Brenda's. The two of them head out to Brenda's cabin where they find a body. I mean, a bloody axe. The same one used to kill Marcy. Tucked away in Brenda's bed. Searching, Ooh. searching. Jack and Marcy's cabin and then the bathrooms. Alice and Bill find uh, no one around and they start to suspect it isn't a setup or a prank and it is actually something serious. Though Bill tries to keep Alice calm by uh, suggesting otherwise, the two break into Steve's office and find the phone lines have been cut. They try to take Jack's car to town, but it won't start with a 20 mile walk through a pitch black forest and the pouring rain out of the out of the question. The two give up and decide to wait at the main lodge for Steve to come back. I don't know why Steve took this long just to get like some Yeah, it is like... really because when we first meet Steve it's in daytime. And then when he decides to go off to get supplies it's still daytime. Yeah, so he must have been gone for so long. What was he doing? Did his car break down? Uh, we'll probably get into that in yeah, in a bit. I swear, um, something happens. Right, so I if think you're... it's literally in the next scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, you go ahead then. <clears throat> uh, meanwhile, Steve, who we thought that was just taking a super long time, finishes his meal at the local diner. Well, we know why now. <laughs> no, knowing that they are new to the campus, not as skilled as he is, Steve, the man of the camp, <laughs> decides to head back to Camp Crystal Lake and to check on them instead of waiting out the storm in town. Partway down the road, Steve's jeep gets stuck in the mud, and right, because so, yeah, of the it does get it does uh, get damaged. Yeah, and because of the heavy load of supplies he's hauling, he can't get it out. Yep. But luckily, a pass. Passing policeman offers him a ride back to camp, but gets a report of a serious accident in town and is forced to drop him off as close as he can. As Steve walks the rest of the way back, he is stopped by a flashlight at the Camp Crystal Lake sign. <sighs> Apparently, uh, recognising the person, Steve asks what they were doing out in this mess of a storm. The killer then stabs him with a knife. Yeah, and that so is it, the it, end it, of Steve. It is kind of interesting that he recognises the killer. So, because Steve's old, he's probably been the, yeah. a counsellor for quite a long time. He probably even worked at the camp <clears throat> when it originally was open, but he was one of the lucky ones who survived. Either that, or both uh, Steve and the killer just live in the local town. Yeah, the, it, I think it makes more sense that <laughs> the killer w lives in that town. Um, yeah, and it's just passed by. But that is Steve dead. Um... It's his own fault for not uh, staying at the camp. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah, well, um, Steve dead, no supplies, and yeah. the killer's still on the loose. There's only, like, I think two survivors left now? Yeah, uh, there's only two people left alive. Arriving back at... Yeah, go ahead. I think that's, like, Bill and Annie, right? Not Annie. Annie Alice, died first. Alice, Alice. Alice. I keep yeah. forgetting the names. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's very hard. Uh, right. Arriving back at the camp, the killer goes to the power generator. 
cabin and disables it, forcing Bill to go outside and investigate. He insists Alice stay in the cabin rather than follow. When Bill does not return, Alice becomes concerned again and heads out to the generator cabin to look for him. Not finding him in the small cabin, he closes the front door and, and she finds his body pinned to the door by several arrows. Now alone, terrified, now alone and terrified, knowing that something is killing her friends, Alice flees back to the main cabin and tries to barricade herself in. After a few moments of silence, Brenda's corpse is hurled through a window. <laughs> Could you just imagine that? You, just, you, you think you're safe in a little cabin and then a second later a body is through your window. Like, we find out what the killer is soon, but the amount of strength you have to uh, have just to lift a body and just um, roam through a window. I really want to read this really long one. I, I know, but it's my turn now. For fuck's sake, it's long. I know, you can't do it. Fuck's sake, do me a favour, read it as it says, <laughs> instead of doing it in your way. Uh, don't do it. I Just see. read it as, as it yeah, is. Yeah, like I've been doing. Let's do the rest okay. of it, reading what it says, because I think okay. that's, it's all easier. Right, go ahead. All right. So you've got Alice. the good one. Alice hears a vehicle outside the cabin and, thinking it to be Steve, runs out to join him in escape. Instead, she finds a middle-aged woman who introduces herself as Mrs. Voorhees, who is played by the late Betsy Palmer. Rest in peace, Betsy Palmer. Mrs. Voorhees explains that she is an old friend of the Christie's, who is Steve's last name. Yeah. Uh... Alice hysterically warns her away, but she insists on going inside to check after being told about the deaths. Mrs. Voorhees expresses horror and sadness at the sight of Brenda's body and starts criticising Steve for trying to open the camp after all that's happened there. Calling the camp cursed, Mrs. Voorhees tells Alice that her son Jason died in the camp in 1957. Mrs. Voorhees goes on a tangent describing how she was the camp's cook and how Jason, who wasn't a good swimmer, had drowned at the lake when the councillors left the children and her Jason unsupervised to go off and have sex. After telling Alice that June 13th, a Friday, is her son's birthday, she switches between talking to herself and shouting at Alice, accusing her personally of killing her son. This is for he's pulled out a hunting knife the same one used to kill several of Alice's friends. The class ring on the left hand removes all doubt that Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. A lengthy chase ensues, during which Alice flees the attacker and finds Annie's body in Mrs. Voorhees' jeep and Steve's body hanging upside down. So yeah, um, Mrs. Voorhees is our killer. Right, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about something that... Um bugs me is that yeah, the films are all in first person and it's kind of annoying because there was no point of having it in first person in first place because we don't see uh mrs Voorhees other than right now if we if we saw her later on in the film like you know not in first person like doing a random work or going shopping or in the diner with Steve, like talking to Steve as a friend. And then later on when he kill when she kills Steve, it'll have more of an impact. 
Uh, but that's not the case. Instead, it's only first person. All we see is Steve. All we see is her in first person other than this moment, which is one of the big like cons for me is because there was no point of having it in first person if we wouldn't see her other than in first person. Hmm. I'm on the opposite end of that. I don't actually mind it being in first person. I don't mind as much, but it does bug me just a little that we don't see her other than... Even if we only saw her in one scene, it wouldn't bug me. Like, maybe if they had a scene of her grieving right after Jason Strelman. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that could have given us some clue. Yeah. But I do like the mystery that it could have been Alice going insane or something. I don't know. Yeah. It, it still has that element of mystery and I still like that about horror films. Right. Um, so let's see. Mrs. Voorhees heads back into the generator room to turn the power back on before continuing the chase. He corners Alice in a storage shed where Alice finds a shotgun. But the ammunition drawer drawer is chained and locked. Before Alice can load it, Mrs. Voorhees attacks her and slaps her around. (laughs) (laughs) Alice escapes and runs back to the main cabin, hiding behind a, um, a locked door in the pantry. Mrs. Voorhees breaks the door open and rushes in at Alice. Brand brandishing a machete. Alice hits her on the side of the head with a frying pan. Knocking her out, Alice sits by the lakeside, hoping that it is all over. But Mrs. Voorhees rushes out of the darkness at her with the machete. Narrowly avoiding the machete, Alice knocks it out of her hands with a paddle, and the two wrestle by the lake. Besting her attacker, Alice grabs the machete and decapitates Mrs. Voorhees in one stroke. In shock, Alice gets in um, a canoe and hand paddles out to the middle of the lake where she falls asleep. That right? You've just killed a woman. You've just survived a massacre, and you decide I'm going to go for a boat trip. No, she wants to get away from everybody. She just wants to be when no one can get her. Yeah, but. You'd go, you would go and get the police, not sit on a fucking boat. You know why you were reading that? I, I imagine like all of these different elements coming in, like yeah. where she, uh, where, where is it? When she hides in the pantry, I, I imagine like, <laughs> who is it? Is it Murphy? <laughs> what is it? I can't remember his name. Shit, Ralph. Ralph's in the pantry again. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I told you she was cursed. <laughs> I told you it was cursed. Uh, um... and, then, and then in the lake, rest, wrestling with Pamela Voorhees, I imagine him doing like suplexes and DTs and the what. Yeah. Pretty much. Right, uh, go ahead and read the last one. Alright. Morning comes and Alice is still asleep in the canoe. Police arrive and call out to her and she awakens. And she sits out and contemplates her situation. The decomposing corpse, it is in quotes, corpse, the Pamela's son, Jason, who is played by Ari Lemon, attacks Alice and pulls her, screaming hysterically, out the canoe. As she is dragged underwater, she wakes in a hospital. When she asks about Jason, the police inform her that they were never 
they never found anybody in that side of lake. Alex then whispers, Denny's still here. Well, still there. <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm going to read some things here because there's a bit of a thing here. Uh, the cast is Bets. Uh, the cast Betsy Palmer as Pamela Voorhees, Adriana King as Alice Hardy, Jenny Taylor as Marcy Stanley, Robbie Morgan as Annie Phillips, Kevin Bacon as Jack Burrell, uh, Harry Crosby as Bill Brown, Laurie uh, Bartmer as Brenda Jones, Mark Nelson as Ned Rubenstein. Peter Browie as Steve Christie, Rex Everhart as Enos, uh, Ron Carroll as Sergeant Jack uh, Tierney, Ron Milkey as a F- Officer Dorf, Walt Gorney as Crazy Ralph, Willie Adams as uh, Barry Jackson, Deborah S. Hayes as uh, Charlotte Hayes, Dorothy D- Coss Cobbs as Trudy, Sally Ann Golden as Sandy, Mary Rocco as Operator, Ken L. Parker as Doctor, and Eri Lemon as Jason Voorhees. And then we have the deaths, which actually has how many minutes it in is, um, and who dies and stuff. So the first death, it, so we have Barry Jackson, knife to the gut, four mins in. Claude, Claudette Hayes, uh, stabbed in the neck. Off screen, five minutes in. Annie Phillips, throat slit, 22 minutes in. Ned Rubinstein, throat slit, off screen, 40 minutes in. Drac Brule, uh, arrow through the throat, tw- 42 minutes in. Marcy Stanley, axe to the head, 46 minutes in. Steve Christie, stabbed in the gut, uh, one hour and four minutes in. Bill Brown, arrows everywhere, throat slit, off screen, one hour and ten minutes in. Brenda Jones, unknown, off screen, one hour and fourteen minutes in. Pamela Voorhees, killer, decapitated, one hour and twenty-eight minutes in. And I will add, right, because Dead Me does this, with a runtime of 95 minutes, uh, the average kill... In the film is every 9.5 minutes. <laughs> you had to reference <laughs> Dead Meat, didn't you? Yeah, subscribe wow. to Dead Meat. It's a good uh, Yeah, I, I agree with that. Go ahead and check Dead Meat out. If, you, if you're a horror fan, you'd love Dead Meat. Um, but yeah, all in all, what do you like and dislike about this film? Uh, I, I do like how it's a good setup for Jason. Uh, yeah. In part two, like all the way to part, well, X, because I don't know if you want to do X when it comes to it. Yeah, I definitely, want, I definitely want to do X. Because I do like one of the kills in X. We, I really we want to definitely do need to do X. We need to do all of them, even the remake. Yeah, I do like the setup for this film that leads up to the later films. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I don't like is how they uh, showed Jason just. Be alive as the corpse in the water. I don't think that made much sense. Yeah, maybe I, uh, they could have done it like in the woods or I, something. Like I understand. Like, cause in the games, he has this 
he has the cabin in the woods, like where he lives. Yeah. Uh, and it would be much better if he like came out of the cabin or something. Mm. Yeah. As- it, that would have been a lot more sense because it doesn't make sense. That, obviously, it does kind of make sense because he drowned in that water, but why would he still be under the water? Yeah, he's not a uh, immortal being. Yeah. Basically, he's not. He's not. Well, until we get to Fred, uh, until we get to Jason goes to hell, and we learn more about him, uh, is technically not immortal at this point. Yeah, can't but, wait for part five when he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, I hope you um, actually really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed making it. Um, this was so much fun. So we're gonna do all the Friday Thirteenths uh, up to the remake. The remake will be the last one we do, uh, and then we will do all the Nine Hell Streets up to the remake, and then we're finished with the remake, and then we'll cap both for it off with Freddy vs Jason. Uh, but and that's a very good climax. But with that, I had found out there was an unproduced Freddy vs Jason script. Okay. And an unproduced um, Scream 2 script, which I found out from uh, Slash and Cast, which is another podcast called... They have a podcast called Make Every Death Count and Little Mad Podcast, uh, where they actually went over the script. Well, I wanted to take a note from their book and try and do um, a podcast where we actually go through both scripts. But... Instead, what we're going to do is is break it down into more than one episode, where basically we'll go through one part of the script, one episode, and another part of the script, the other episode, and do it like that. I will give each of us characters uh, to read out, and we'll read it out as it says. I'll do the narrating. I'll narrate the narrator parts, and then I'll give uh, characters as characters adieu to... Um, have things happen and we'll yeah. say we'll say the lines we'll do voices and stuff like that it'll be fun to do um be fun to do uh something like that uh but um i will will probably do scream first and then the freddy versus jason one after because um have a little break from doing anything freddy versus anything freddy and jason related and then go back to it uh, but if you guys like this sort of content where we are basically just going through the story and plot of and scene by scene talking about uh, certain films or unproduced scripts, we will definitely bring you more of this uh, type of content. But uh, yeah, it was fun to do this. It was actually real fun just going through scene by scene, talking about a little bit about it and our thoughts. This was a good idea by Tyler uh, to do oh. this. But, yeah, guys, this is the end of the episode. If you are watching this on my YouTube channel, Slash Media, um, welcome to the video. Go to my Spotify if you'd like, and you can, uh, or Anchor or whatever, and you can listen to this as audio form. I do have an idea of something that I'm going to do. There's a website that basically is called Link Linktree or something. And it's a separate website where you can basically put links. And I'm going to do a thing where I put all my podcast links on there. So, yeah, guys. Without further ado, though, I hope you enjoyed. But if you're listening to this as audio version on Spotify or Anchor, 
Uh, I do have a YouTube channel called Social Media where I do not I do all horror content, and I also have a non horror channel where I do non horror content. So. Without further ado, this has been uh, Slasher Cast, the podcast that brings you horror and nothing but horror. I have been one of your hosts, Slasher. Oh, wait, you were going for me. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of cut out, it just went Slasher, then, then, then I thought, wait, were you going to say, like, cut it into media, and this is, <laughs> <laughs> like, Bam! It's it's. No, I, want, I want you to outro yourself. That's, <laughs> that's how I want you to do it. That's what I want our intro and outro to be. That we right, outro so... and intro ourselves. So uh, let me is... say that again. <laughs> I have been Slasher. And I've been Bot. For fuck's sake. <laughs> right, what? guys. Uh, that's, that's his fake name. Uh, as Slasher is mine. Name. So everyone, hope you um, enjoyed, and um, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Keep on slashing and keep watching horror, and I'll see you horror fans later. <laughs>